As much as I like to fight everyone, yeah, yeah. I'm having a pretty good time here. Why are you mad? Why are you mad? Why are you, Why mad? you mad? Okay, hello, Lisa. What's up? Hi, Jake. Sorry I'm late. <laughs> All good. How's it going, dude? I'm just chilling. Fun show, fun show last night. Yeah, last night, Meat Space number two was really good, which is why I'm just chilling today. <laughs> a little bit hungover? Did you stay out real late? When I do shows, when I throw shows especially, I, I hang out all night at the venue. I can never yeah. get into the culture of like spot jumping like comedians yeah. do because like to me, the show is like a party and like it feels like you're being kind of a dick yeah, to the, like, host, yeah. the venue and the other comics and stuff. So I always just shut the place down. So me and Patak yeah. were up late because he also, uh, like we were kind of doing the thing where we were going pint for pint and then we like got off by a half of one. So everyone yeah. had, the other person kept buying one and then he had <laughs> lost his drink ticket because he was drunk. And then, uh, Max's partner found it on the ground. We were like, oh, we got a drink. <laughs> so it was, it was crazy. It was fun, though. That's fun. Um, I love I love that. That sounds fun. Uh, I also, I don't know that I get hungover, but I'm just tired. I just, uh, you know, uh, had a long night, hung out with friends, saw comedy, uh, smoked some cigarettes, had some sex, went to work, and then just like the nice. whole day was just like catching up. So then it's like uh, just a little bit tired. But then I made a meatloaf after work. Uh, <laughs> and then I, uh, oh, I've been working a little bit on a potential comedy show I might be starting. But whatever, we'll leave, we'll leave that till maybe. I'm working out the deal, the details with someone. But I don't know. Maybe not. Um, so, yeah, just busy with fucking random shit. Oh, yeah. And we started a discord for the patrons, patrons, Patreon supporters, whatever. I don't know the proper term for that. But, you know, our homies over on Patreon, um, we have like no tiers or even a, a money suggestion amount <laughs> or just like a canvas, a dollar, a Canadian dollar, whatever you got. <laughs> um, and other than the week or a couple of months mailbags we now have discord which uh is already kind of like popping people are chatting meeting up meeting up talking about maybe going to 51st jokes i saw uh so that seems fun we'll see how that's going to turn out it really gives me like um uh 90s like board yeah like message board vibes uh -huh. where it's just like people at work being like hey what's up stranger <laughs> do you like this video game <laughs> and it's like cool and then you talk about queer stuff and it's fun yeah it's like irc or something yeah exactly so i kind of like it and then i figured out how to make channels so um yeah we'll see we'll hang out and then i guess eventually maybe we can figure out how to do like uh i don't know like a live show what it, we'll figure it out but that stuff's gonna go for the patrons first so you know sign up join us over there um i'm sure you know how to find it um but yeah that was my day i don't know why i went into plugs at the top but hey fuck it no i get it we always we can selling. do whatever the fuck i want to do we were yeah exactly reluctant i don't even know that i'm selling i'm just so excited to have a uh, this is the corniest thing i'm ever gonna say but to like have a little community place where all like the kind because honestly like this show does get you know, besides comedians and industry, which whatever, I guess you guys have your reasons for listening. <laughs> um, the normal people <laughs> that listen are they're so uh, 
varied like from different backgrounds and different kinds of jobs and like some people don't even know about comedy at all and they're artists in other areas and some people are like communists that just like came for our lefty takes on art um and it's cool and then like uh you know lots of people that want to talk about the gender and sexual sex and relationship stuff and um I have had like really great conversations and I like the letters that people write, even when it sounds like I'm mean and I'm mad about the letter that somebody wrote. <laughs> I'm not really mad. It's part of the show. <laughs> it's really fun. Um, so yeah, I guess I'm just like corny and excited to have online friends, which is the opposite of meat space. But well, that's we the joke <laughs> of the, uh, the title yeah. of the show. Cause I'm a very online person. So yeah, it's like the one thing that happens in real life, but discord's cool. Our listeners are cool. You know, we talk about this all the time, but like yeah. your fans are in fact a reflection of what you're doing. And yeah. I'm proud to say every time I meet somebody who listens to the show, they're really cool. And same goes for my other show. And I very rarely have Nazis and shit that are like mm-hmm. trying to make art what we're doing about that. Uh, yeah. Which is a problem other people have and reflects <laughs> what they're fucking doing, what even though they don't want to look at it that way because it's inconvenient. But fuck those That's people. That's like, uh, <laughs> it reminds me of Succession, the last episode, I think, uh, where there's like a quick line, you know, because like people spe- speak kind of like they jab at each other quietly in between conversation and whatnot on that show. Yeah. So there's one line that maybe I think people missed, but it was like so funny because it was, uh, it was at the end and they're at the villa for the wedding. And then Tom Shiv's husband has to go somewhere to get, to be interviewed about his position at one of the media companies that the family owns. Yeah. And uh, he's, he kind of says it like a little braggy, like, Oh, I got to go. Cause you know, whatever public, uh, whatever, um, I don't know outlet is going to interview me and somebody asks him like oh really what do they want to interview you about tom and he says something like oh you know i'm sure it's to find out how i got all the profits or like the great turnaround or i don't know some version of like how i made things so successful and profitable and uh shiv kind of like says not under her breath but like it just is very quick and tom doesn't acknowledge it but she goes, oh, so you're just going to tell them what you did, that your secret is just turn on the bigots bigot. <laughs> <laughs> and I've never forgotten it because it's so such an apt way to put the way that some people have succeeded in comedy or even just media in general. Right. Because some failed comics became like the McGinnis's and the uh I guess like talking head news people of the right. Yeah. All so, the all right pundits were, they tried to become yeah, and failed at it. Exactly. Exactly. So they like, are, some of them succeeded people, at it actually, and then did it anyway. Yeah. And then did it anyway, but then they made a lot of money by turning on the bigots, bigot yeah. <laughs> by like going for a market that didn't really have uh, anybody servicing them outright anymore, I guess. Uh, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, Turn that shit off. Yeah, exactly. That's like, uh, oh, no. And to be clear, like, I definitely don't I don't think we have any Nazis. Oh, unless it's like those ones that hate us. But I think they got over that. They're not listening anymore. Or they'll they'll hang out on our Patreon. Or they really like us. (laughs) Or Discord. (laughs) They'll just, you know, eventually just start having fun. I don't know. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, but I do want to be clear that I'm not equating the Nazis with the industry and comics. I love the industry and comics also listen to us. That's great. That's cool. You, But I did expect it to only be industry and comics <laughs> listening. So I guess I love the other people more is what I'm saying, guys. No, I'm just kidding. But no, <laughs> I'm, I'm not. Uh, but anyway, dude, we have so much to talk about because there's a few things. Okay, I could tell you. Let me give you some options. We didn't talk about an order here. Mm, I could tell you about something weird slash cool that happened at work uh, that I would like your take on. Okay. Or which is about media. Obviously, I work in media. And then, or I could we could talk touch on the Chappelle thing because just like a weird thing happened with him being a NIMBY, but then it turns out he's a YIMBY. And I think there's some people who think that's cool, but I need to clarify that's not cool. So maybe that <laughs> or uh that article that really pissed us off that one of our listeners sent us about <laughs> monogamy being radical where would you like to start jake flores i would like to start with the thing that happened to your job i'm curious about this i don't know anything about it <laughs> okay okay so check this out so um let's see how to put it okay so i basically work uh oh well company just changed their name uh we used to be viacom cbs and I think as of yesterday, we are now Paramount. We're just Paramount, period. Uh, but Paramount is now the umbrella company for uh, CBS, Showtime, Paramount Plus, BET, MTV, VH1, Comedy Central, uh, CMT, Logo. You get it, right? Uh-huh. And I work on all of those channels except for Paramount Plus, Showtime, and CBS. Okay. Okay. And uh, I work on what would be called like multi-platform or streaming, basically. So like not the linear TV part, but after it's been on TV, I deal with it being on apps and platforms and in the digital library. Yeah. Think like the Disney vault. Okay. So uh, I just get like a lot of weird fucking requests from people. And then like last week, I got a really fucking weird request (laughs) Uh, through the chain of a bunch of people. I it comes to me this thing that's like. Would it be possible for us to go back and change a character's name on this series that has been on for like decade, more than a decade? Uh, yeah, two like decades. everywhere. Huh? I think like two decades. Yeah, right? Like two decades. Exactly. I don't yeah. even know. It's like 27 seasons. You're right. It's a lot. And uh, I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> I was like, uh, it's like I needed more information from for the question, you know, but like they didn't want to tell me because it was associated with an episode that hadn't premiered yet. Right. That was premiering last week. Yeah. And so then finally they give me enough information. And what they say is uh, there will be an episode of South Park airing tonight in which part of the episode is that it, there will be a change of, of name for a character. But part of the joke would be better if we could change the name like going back as though it wouldn't it were never the the original name right Right. and like that's the way they put it like they wouldn't you know they're like trying to not blow because it's a big deal that like they don't want uh like leaks of the the story or whatever right yeah it's called uh fuck what are these linear people call it a stunt right so it's like when uh when something that's happening on linear tv is associated with like marketing or live uh events or anything across other platforms then it's like a big deal and they like keep shit secret right 
So I'm like, yeah, I guess, you know, if you just mean like in text, I can change the character's name. I can go back and change it in every single episode (laughs) and every single clip and all of it. Right. Yeah. And so they like finally tell me what it is. Right. And so what they tell me is that we are changing Token's name. You remember the character Token? Yeah. Right. So Token is the, I guess, the only black character. I do think they've had other than his family and stuff. And then they've had other people in the like last decade. But the original joke, I guess, of the name, right, was that he was the token black guy in the class in this Colorado school, elementary school, right? So uh, this new episode, oh, so what they wanted us to do is to change the name token to Tolkien, like J.R.R. Tolkien. Right. Okay. So I'm like, okay, that works, you know, because I can't, I had told them like, we can't change like the audio, (laughs) you know, like if you change the name to something else, we would have to get like it dubbed and like that doesn't work so then finally i get it it sounds kind of the same so we're just changing it in writing so what we're doing is basically the episode so what we were doing was making it so that if you went on a comedy central website or app anywhere in the world not just america because i run like the international stuff too uh and you search token nothing would come up yeah. But then if you like looked at the last episode or whatever, the descriptions, everything say the name Tolkien spelled like the author. With an L, yeah. Uh so basically, so then I'm like, I haven't seen the episode, right? So then I'm like, I gotta watch the episode and see what happens. So I then watched it too. I watched the episode and what ended up happening is that uh Stan, who I guess is supposed to be like the good guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> he he's the Jewish one whose sister has like fra- uh, no, braces. No, no, no. Kyle's the Jewish one. Oh no, Kyle's the Jewish one. Sorry. So Stan's the one with who Sister has the braces and yeah. you, and the dad has the weed farm now. I don't know how caught up you are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen all of it. Well, so Stan realizes or somebody mentions or something or he sees it in writing that Token's name is actually Tolkien, right? And he's like, holy shit. Oh, my God. Has his name been Tolkien this whole time? And we've been fucking <laughs> calling him Token. That's fucking horrible. So being like a good friend or whatever, he... uh like immediately goes to like one of his friends and he's like, Hey, can you, like, can you believe that we've been saying tokens name wrong? Like his name's not token. It's Tolkien. And then the first friend, I think is Kyle. And Kyle's like, yeah, dude, what did you think it was? (laughs) And so then Kyle has to explain, wait, I thought it was token. And he's like, it is token. So it's like, uh, who's on first thing, thing over and over again, because every person that he asks, is like, yeah, what did you think his name was? Right. And so then he has to explain that he thought it was token. And then people are like, why would you think it was token? And then he has to explain, you know, you get it. Like, he's the only black guy in the class. <laughs> and then people are like, that is so racist, Dan. <laughs> and they like yeah. get super mad at him. So he goes off on this thing where he's like, calling an assembly like he's trying to find people who were also believing it and then at one point he asked kyle and he's like but don't you remember that at one point carmen wore a shirt that said token on it and kyle's like yeah but carmen's an asshole <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> so they basically just gaslight this one character yeah. into thinking that he has been racist this whole time okay and then the second part of the joke is that for any watchers, if you were like, no way, that's not true. Let me go check. You would also be gaslit right. by comments. Very funny joke. Funny, right? Yeah. I love it when they do internet stuff with TV like this. Like, when uh, Yeah. A, a but it was interesting to me because I came from museums. And so like 
the idea that you go back and mess with the record for a joke is like, oh, makes me bristle. <laughs> because like, where does it get recorded that this joke happened on this day and that character's name changed throughout the record forever? Mm-hmm. Nowhere except in my fucking mind and maybe in Wikipedia. <laughs> and like, right. I don't know. So, I mean, and I guess like the people that watched it, but then like, I guess, and it's not that important. You know, it's TV, it's fucking fine. <laughs> but I don't know. What do you think about it? What do you think about uh, this, like, I don't know, use of. Oh, if I think it's, it's also, it also references like the Bernstein Stein Bears shit. Right. Yeah. That? Yeah. Yeah. Because because oh. it, it makes you feel like, well, how could anybody go back and change all the books and make us feel dumb? <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> well, you know what? We could go back and change all the episodes <laughs> and make you feel dumb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I think it's so funny that they did that because uh, it's just well, it's such an old bit from the show that you could very well have sort of forgotten that it was ever a thing and it could work. Yeah. But I kind of had this context when you, because you told me about that before I watched the episode. So yeah. I, I understood what was happening, but like, uh, I think it's really creative. Like, I think yeah. using your own intellectual property like that, as much as intellectual property should not be a thing, as we discussed. Yeah. Uh, just as a bit to do the Baron Stain Bear, um, or like thing on everyone yeah. what's another thing that's like that there's like a bunch of stuff like that like the the mandela effect or the yeah the thing where people think that um that he's dead oh well he's dead now isn't, isn't that what i can't means? remember what the thing that people think of mandela was but the, like there's a bunch of examples of this like shazam kazam uh people think that well, I'm going to fuck it up and be racist. I mean, there's literally like it, racism is at all the card of a lot of these. So there is a movie called Kazam starring uh, Shaq, Shaq, I think, from yeah. the 90s. But the, the, the fake one that gets Berenstained for people is that people say there was a movie called Shazam, Shazam. starring Sinbad or something like that. Oh, shit. I don't know which one's which. <laughs> right. Because it's so far back there. Yeah. Um, And it's like you're just wading through these racism landmines yeah. whenever you talk about it or whatever. But like, I think the way that that one works is that people know the word Shazam now from having the app and Sinbad. <laughs> Sinbad is the name of a pirate. So people mistake it and think. Oh, that's he's a gene. I don't fucking know. Like, there's like these that tiny works. fucking connecting th- joke parts of it that like make your brain do a thing. It's like, um, God, this is veering off into weird territory here, but I got really, I went down a rabbit hole one time reading about why people have common hallucinations, like everyone that takes DMT a lot like more than a few people say that they see this serpent that talks to them and like how the fuck yeah. could that possibly be happening and they did this study where they think it's like because the human brain maps images with some level of uh uniformity not a lot but like some yeah. there are just certain things that land on a certain fold of the brain for like a lot of people so statistically yeah. if everyone took DMT a few people are going to have this common hallucination and like, it's just fucking fascinating that you could play with that for, you know, for comedy. <laughs> That's how it is with that. Yeah, totally. Um, well, let me not even go into fucking near death experience bullshit. <laughs> That's a 
train we don't need to board at the moment. Oh, seeing the uh, one of the things that I wanted to tell you about um, with that South Park thing is like, for me, uh, one of the things that really made me laugh watching the episode and it made me think like, wow, these guys are comedy geniuses. Is And I've thought it before, you know, like um, I've checked in, in, in and out, but you know, the overall story with South Park is that like they couldn't get out of their contract, right? No, what's the deal with that? Yeah, I think it's like 30 years, dude. <laughs> and uh, so I checked right now, it's 24 seasons is what they've done so far. And I'm going to get all the fucking facts wrong. And this is not violating any confidence because <clears throat> I have nothing to do with uh, developing shows at Comedy Central. Don't bother me. So um, they, uh, at some point, I want to say around the 10 year mark, they didn't want to do South Park anymore. Like they thought it had run its course. Really? They thought they had like, you know, already painted the painting they wanted to paint yeah. with that. But their contract stipulated a whole bunch more seasons and they were not able, like they tried to get out of it and they were not able to get out of it. And then they basically made bad seasons oh, <laughs> for like, a few years. Like the Matrix movie. Wait, what? <laughs> Why is my... the, okay, go. The one that we talked about, the, the new Matrix movie. Oh, That's... yeah, because he was forced into it and they were like, if we don't do it, somebody else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. She yes, exactly. Exactly, exactly. So whatever, you people can look it up what, which years exactly this was, but there were years when they were like fucking phoning it in and they didn't give a shit and they were literally trying to like get canceled. Yeah, you know I mean? this happens all the time. Yeah, and they were trying to do like their worst jokes, you know, like shit like that. And then at some point, and I want to say it was around 2016, right? Because that's when things got fiery again for that type of comedy. Yeah. Uh, they got back into it with the Trump shit and uh, gentrification shit and uh, lots of like, you know, the pussy hat stuff. Like they had a lot to say about everything that started happening and they got really good again. And they had excellent episodes like the Whole Foods one about like homeless people. They're, they're really great ones, right? Yeah. And so they got back into it. And so this token thing that they did to me was like such an excellent example of instead of doubling down on a joke that you no longer stand by, you found a way to undo it with another joke. Yeah. With an even better, more meta joke. You get me? Yeah. So it's because it's obviously like they didn't think 24 years ago that they were going to change this character's name, <laughs> but they have been the type of people that aren't super comfortable being racist in that way, maybe for the last 10 years. And now and through this joke, they were able to make a joke about how, like, no, if you thought that you're the racist one, which is also like a little funny play on cancel culture. <laughs> right. I'm right. like, what we never said that <laughs> you're the racist uh that you should happens. get canceled for even thinking that yeah that happens all the time on the internet where someone who's yeah. doing the yelling is like making the racist point in the mm -hmm. call out or whatever it's just like a funny comment. yeah like i hadn't thought about this in a long time though they kind of were like edgelordy when they started yeah. and it's one of those totally. things that stuck around for so long that then it became kind of normal or also like uh it's like you for 
I don't know, like kind of like Borat or something, where you forget, like, originally this was, like, over-the-line offensive, but then it just became yeah. so subsumed in normal culture that it became normal. And then when they have to, like, they with the new Borat, they woked it up yeah. or whatever, and they made the people who were fans of the original, like, transgressive nature of it kind of mad. But yeah. you could tell that they were like, well, we've grown and we don't want to do this really this way anymore. So cool, I guess. Kind of cooler than continuing to be like, I guess I don't think there's any comedic merit into continuing to be an edgelord at this point in the same way. Exactly. Well, and it's also just like, uh, no matter what, okay, this is what's weird. It's like com- comedy and comedians are often talked about and talk about themselves as like having to find a voice, right? Yeah. Singular. Uh, which I think is both incorrect because a lot of you have more than one voice. You're able to write for others while you write for yourselves also. Yeah. Um, and you're able to write for yourselves under different characters, different <clears throat> modes, all that shit. Right. So that's one thing that I think is wrong about that. But also um, you like how to say your voice is not supposed to be set in stone. Like, if you look at a great, like Carlin, his voice was not set in stone. Carlin changed styles and rhythms and points of view and topics. Like, he became a curmudgeonly politics guy at the end, but he was a silly clown wordplay guy at the beginning. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, he and most who live long enough do go through changes or, you know, do something else. This idea that like you would always just have one voice, unless it's like a character, I don't think that that's realistic. Or if it's realistic, then it becomes like a formulaic, you're just pandering sort of writing to the, this is what the people want me to write. You, this is uh, me doing the 14th season of South Park, even though I don't want to do this Yeah, anymore. I mean, not just right? like your voice, yeah. also the things that you're saying and that you like believe kind of are like the reactionary thing in comedy is never apologize, you know? It's really funny because yeah. like, Joe Rogan apologized for the Spotify yeah. for the N-word stuff a while back. And like his own fans who who every time anyone attacks a comedian, they accuse them of being jealous of the comedian. Suddenly they all attack this comedian. And they're it's like, yeah. are you jealous of him? No, you just disagree with him. That's why you that's why you criticize people. But they were all mad that he apologized because that's intrinsic to the nature of uh like the whole fucking the dirtbag left thing kind of cl- took that yeah. from edgelord dumbass comedians and like this new idea that kind of was experimental in the last few years as social media became what it is uh i think played out in this way where uh, the, to me the experiment's over like it's you're stupid if you're like this but i understand why it's uh it, it feel it's feels safer to act like that like especially on the internet where you know you can delete a tweet and just act like it never happened or whatever <laughs> it's ve- it's very scary when you get attacked by a lot of people so everyone is very yeah. against like owning their own things but south park is really interesting because you know they were like libertarian dorks when they first started yeah. and i fucking hate libertarians and people with that point of view and i like south park you know why because they evolved and they like know that they were wrong about certain stuff and yes. they are i mean i'm the same i'm on the same i'm same fucking timeline as them in a lot of ways and like that is the key difference something that's really interesting about them though is i was talking to patek on my other show about this a while back because we were you know we were talking about all the 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 belief that people have in like if something's funny it's true it's politically true or whatever and like i you know i don't really think that's true yeah Yeah. and uh south park's a good example and they will even tell you this 
they made that episode about uh, Al Gore, like basically accusing him of scaremongering on behalf of the environment, like using the environmental yeah. stuff to scaremonger. And the joke is that he's running around warning people about this monster called Man Bear Pig, and he's jumping out of the bushes, going, "Oh, Man Bear Pig!" And the thing is, that's a re- it was funny, like it was yeah. wrong, but it, they they're very funny at what they do. So like. Totally. That episode, you can look, it doesn't stand the test of any of this stuff where you're like, never apologize or whatever. They literally have apologized or like, you know, not like groveling, like on behalf of No, they move on with another point. Yeah. yeah, Or like even a reversal. They they are just, they just have a, a fucking comedic integrity enough to go like... Yeah, that was a bad point. Like, we don't believe that anymore, but it doesn't. Well, that's what I, yeah, that's why I... That's what I wanted to get at. I love that you went there because uh, I basically like this idea that you're supposed to find your voice as though it's like a like the sword in the stone. <laughs> you're only going to find one and have the one forever. Um, the reality is that what makes a good <laughs> comedian is having like your voice changing as society changes because you are supposed to be reflecting on it and skewering it and commenting on it i don't know however you want to put it you're not supposed to be a fucking capsule that stays the same across time (laughs) you know what i mean there would still be fucking uh like 1920s vaudeville commute or like whatever you know like there but there aren't right and so you know you remember uh when people used to say like trump is going to be so good for comedy yeah and like we all hated that and i still think it is right to hate that because um it's kind of similar to that idea of like you're only funny or creative if you have mental health issues and it keeps people from getting better or getting help because they fear fear that they'll lose their creativity right yeah so i think that's why a lot of us didn't like the idea of like oh trump is funny and he's going to be good for comedy because it did necessarily imply that there was something we can enjoy from the fact that this horrible person is going to be in power and there will be material effects on the most vulnerable in our world. Right. And that made us feel shitty, but I'm going to say the thing we don't like to say, (laughs) which is that uh, looking at South Park is a really good fucking measurement because of how long they've been on the air. Right. And so you're talking about when they first started and they're edgelords and like, dude, 24 years, it's like Clinton years. Right. Is when they started. Yeah. I want to say, yeah. And so to to spend their time making fun of like edgelord, uh, sorry, being edgelords and making fun of politicians and liberals in power who are using rhetoric to control working class people into very terrible situations, then that was them reacting in a comedic way to the power systems of their time. You but they me? also just had like, oh, this character's gay or whatever. And they were just. Kind oh, of- right, 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 right. I'm not saying that they were like geniusly. No, no, no. I'm just saying they were reacting to the world at the time. Like, uh, no. And the things they were saying about Al Gore was like stuff like he's gay. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying it was like fucking uh, brilliant uh, political critique or anything. I'm just saying that the targets of their humor were liberal politicians because they were the ones who were in power at the time right well that's what i'm saying though is i don't i'm not saying they were calling al gore gay or whatever i'm saying that mr garrison was just a character who was gay and that was just kind of the joke which is stupid but then the show evolves and sort of 
comes to humanize him more in so many ways and stuff. I thought it was hilarious when I was a child because children are evil and mean, but like there are some things that think in early South Park, you could just look at as mean spirited. Totally. And I'm not defending them, but I don't think that that's relative to what I, or relevant to what I was speaking on, which is uh, the political targets of their joke. I'm, spe- okay, I'm specifically okay, sure. like saying like, because they've been around for this long, we can actually compare their comedy across political periods. Yeah. You get me? It, which is something we can't really do with most art because it doesn't last that long or isn't like reacting in the present to the present. Like that's what comedy does, you know, is like yeah. be this fast response to what's actually happening. So a big part of their edge lordiness or whatever in their first 10 years was a reaction to liberalism, which unfortunately did include a lot of like, look at, you know, Gen X was fucking homophobic and loved to call people F words and all this stuff, you know, yeah. like, uh, so that was unfortunately, I think, part of it. But it was like, as the period that they were rebelling against and coming up against was one in which it was the liberals in power. And if you remember, I don't know if you fucking five years is enough difference. Like, dude, Bill Clinton was like in the Animaniacs, like <laughs> yeah. people like. Uh, oh my God, he plays a fucking saxophone. People used to say he was the first black president because black people loved him. Uh, It was like a fucking, the sort of propaganda you just don't even understand, Jake. Like it was just like, uh, America is perfect and everything we do is great and well, fucking we that's part love of everyone it. and then and then the fucking like Monica shit happened and it's like yeah oh he's great he's still great he oh look at him he gets so much pussy <laughs> you know like well, what the fuck Albini yeah. said something to me that I've been thinking about mm-hmm. a lot because I asked him about edgelord stuff and how he had a band called rape man and all this stuff and mm-hmm. like how he has a past of he's, he's one of, he's one of he's a great example he's like yeah. South Park right um and he sort of compared it to like the end of history ph- philosophy, you know, about the the essay, the mm-hmm. end of history, Francis Fukuyama basically yeah. declares, okay, we're in the nineties. Liberal capitalism is, you know, the only thing that exists, yada, yada, yada. Well, so a huge implication in that in the minds of people, I think that leads them into embracing comedy like this is, um, that, <laughs> well, you, em- you embrace the idea of stepping over any boundary because mm-hmm. you're justifying it by declaring, you know, racism's over. Yeah, Feminism is no longer. Everything's shit, equal. Yeah. yeah, it's very postmodern. Yeah. Everything is. All these things are over, and therefore, anyone like um, protecting these boundaries is doing an unnecessary job that is just a byproduct of like annoying, smarmy, fucking liberal managerial culture or whatever. Yeah, and like, no, fuck you. I'm gonna just 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 imb- It doesn't even matter what line I'm stepping over. I'm gonna step over like all of them to make a point about how we're actually in heaven and like you can do this now or whatever which isn't true but like people believed it back then because yeah the end of history wasn't true it's history still happening you know but it was it was very totally much the you're totally right so let's follow along this history lesson that we're going down which is so then so then let's throw in y2k there right which is also like another fucking uh belief at least in the west that like another form of uh so we have al gore telling us about the climate end of the world and then we have the tech people telling us that y2k is coming and that's going to fucking destroy all our systems and everything's going to melt down and uh we have all the brainiacs telling us that we are postmodern now and fucking everything is fixed and everything is great and then um 
nothing happens on Y2K and we don't die and everything's fine. And everything is so fine that this dumb fucking country um, elects a Republican, right? Right. Which is what always happens, right? When we're doing pretty well, we elect a Republican. So then uh, 9-11 happens, which is kind of like the delayed apocalypse that we were all expecting at the end of the 20th century. Yeah. And 9-11 happens and fucking everything changes, especially for the people who didn't really live before (laughs) 9-11, you know, like who were babies or who were born after. They don't even know how different it was. But so now we've thrown George Bush and 9-11 into the mix. And what happens is it becomes difficult to make comedy that has as its target the uh, governmental apparatus when the entire government is being is framing our country as victims and anybody who speaks against us is part of the terrorist plot and doesn't believe in America's way of life and like all this shit. Yeah, all and questioning of the government like stopped. Yeah, that's out the fucking that window. Yeah, exactly. So then that makes your shit toothless, edge lords of South Park, right? So then uh we get enough years under our belt when we start to see like, oh, yeah, mission accomplished. Bush is an idiot. This all sucks. Weapons of mass destruction was a lot. I mean, a lot of people knew, but they just like, like weren't doing making fun of it. Publicly, it's it's right? kind of memory hold that there was a year yeah. when they crucified Janine Garofalo for being the only person that yeah, was talking dude. about this. And then, you know, everyone else joined in once it was kind of safe. Mm-hmm. But like there was a moment when you like couldn't. No. And when it was the only thing there was what to talk about. Did you remember? um on uh fuck was it on a roast it was i think it was on a comedy central roast and maybe the first roast a year after 9-11 i want to say bob saget maybe it was pamela anderson i'll look it up i was working on the roast this week but um gilbert godfrey made a joke it was like the opening joke of a roast i want to say and it's the first roast after 9-11 and he straight up makes a joke about how American Airlines is going to change their motto yeah. to first ones through the towers. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think he did it on uh, Aristocrats maybe also. But the, like the first time was on this roast. But it was like a thing where like people like were like, that's not funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it was, was like, so funny because he was yeah, dude, not so funny. supposed to be doing but that. But it was just, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I guess he thought, you know, like a roast, this is where you're supposed to say the mean stuff. And what are, but it's like, no, no like that even at a roast um but yeah so then right we have obama and right as toward the end of the bush years like south parks did start to pick up like the possibility of well we can make fun of this guy for being a fucking idiot right then we get obama and we're sort of brought back to the same place as we were with the clintons where now we are we have a like liberal uh government framework in place and all we can do is talk about how they are black first of all and so that changes everything now second of all their kids and their dogs and their degrees and their romance oh my god they went to college together you guys and like you remember how it was like about dude yeah the fucking way people cried after he was elected like it was insane I just, 
Yeah, and I just he don't would, think like, that... would, like, sing sometimes and mm-hmm. shit. The Wobbiers would sing. Or play basketball. <laughs> yeah. Or they would have, like, this thing with him playing basketball. Or, like, that he smokes cigarettes sometimes. <gasps> yeah. Oh, my God. He's so cool, but also kind of bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you people? So then, in the Obama years, I do think that made a whole world of toothless comedy again. It was eight years that gave rise to, like, the heavy identity comedy where it was like I people in comedy became like so insecure with commenting about the world around them that instead they started commenting about themselves only. Everything it, became extremely introverted. That was when like yeah. girls was big and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Like if, I remember because I was, you know, kind of going through my comedic adolescence at the time and trying to figure out who I was. And I was yeah. really into like the, you know, reading fucking novels and stuff and yeah. like trying to write a show that's about like growth and all this shit the way all this art back then was indie rock was all like you know i don't know it was about growing pains i was reading bukowski and shit and like yeah looking back on it like it's, it's it was like a fever dream like why was anyone like that <laughs> shit's not important dude i don't know but it's really crazy because then like uh you know now that we're past the trump years i think that we can say that it did have a marked effect on comedy, which is that for the first time in fucking 12, 16 years, uh, it became very clear who was like the sides became clear. And not only that, but the government face, the apparatus was now one that was a celebrity sort of buffoon billionaire dude or whatever uh, who has a family who's all in the public eye and we know all their shit too. And they're like on reality TV and um, he obviously has bad policies and has shitty people behind him. And then it gets racist and then it's like worse. And then it's like (laughs) now for the first time when comedians punch up at the government or at society, most people agree with them. Nobody's going, hey, wait a minute, but America and our way of life and like, but he's black or wait, but Bill Clinton plays the saxophone (laughs) or like, but wait, you know, like nobody, there's nothing defensible about him and the people who want to defend him clearly, like very easily become part of the joke also for the people in comedy. And on the other side of that, like we were saying about the bigots bigot, there's a bunch of people in comedy who chose to cater to the other side of like well nobody's making jokes for these people so i will fucking do the low-hanging fruit for you guys yeah um and so it was a time that you know obviously was terrible in a lot of ways and i'm not even saying that it was good for comedy but it did do something where it made it first of all like it made it okay to uh be political again like outwardly not in a stealthy fucking way, you know? Right. And uh, it made it, not just that, but it made it so that the people who were actually afraid to be political and social and racist and all this sh- and sexist on stage were the fucking shitty white guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I actually, I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know that it was all bad. You know what I mean? 
And so now what's happening now? Uh, Can I go yeah, back a go. second? There's something I yeah. was just thinking about when you were, were, were walking down the historical timeline like this. Yeah. A really fascinating show that's right at the apex of one of these turns is Broad mm-hmm. City. I think Broad mm. City was the last show in which like Obama's world existed. And in yes. the middle of the show the world broke. There was like a psychic break because when that show first came out, I remember thinking like, this is huge. Like this is like the apex of like someone figured out how to make a show that's just about life or whatever. And then in like the second season, they had fucking Hillary Clinton on and we were all like, what mm-hmm. the fuck? And then they, they were like, we shouldn't have done that. Should we or whatever? And like, yeah. And then was- by the last season, you remember uh, Dave Becky was a producer of that show. Oh, yeah, and by yeah. the last season, they took his name off of the, credits because he was associated with louis ck right they were too feminist to be working with him by the end but they were working with him right exactly like he still got paid (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean yeah yeah that was Uh, crazy so like i mean it's i hate that it's so much of it is tied to who's the fucking president but like mm -hmm. if you being a figurehead you know what i mean but it's also like if most people are not knowledgeable about politics and honestly, comedians, what are you trying to do? But hit the not the lowest, the greatest common denominator, meaning you are trying to frame a joke in a way that the most people in the room get it, not yeah. that the least people in the room get it. So if you have a political point to make, it is most likely going to be framed around the most recognizable name that represents that political party or that law that's going into effect or whatever. Yeah. Right? And so that's why I, I put it as these Trump years and like presidentially. But, but, but these presidential eras do have yeah. like effects that entirely yeah, change the like the the really hard to grasp postmodern stuff that yeah. is clouding the way you think at all times. Because like one thing I could think you can sort of track over this process is. Um, like sh- people who shift in and out of believing that history is over like Fukuyama. Right. Yeah. And like, I think for right now, like, well, we have, we have a lot of white guys who are insisting on the thing that Albini was talking about back in the nineties, where he was saying, well, history is over. Therefore I can cross all these lines because the lines aren't actually, they, they don't matter anymore. And it's my job yeah. to cross them, which I think is, if you want to go back and look at early South Park in the nineties and identify it as racist or homophobic or whatever, you know, you can because some of the, the effect is not necessarily tied to the intent, but I think the intent and this reason that show is so popular is because people identified with the intent, which was that it was exciting that people were making jokes on a TV show that you were like, you usually can't get away with this, but you're not supposed to say, that yeah but you sh- but like i know i'm a good person and i yeah. still believe this stuff and that mm-hmm. you have to be living within the mindset that history's over and everything's fine and it makes perfect sense that white guys are the ones that hold on to that even in even in years like the trump years because they're the people for which history is actually over and yeah definitely it is actually fine you are yeah. going to be okay so you get to keep living in that as the fucking weird like the water level or whatever of this thing keeps shifting back up and down i don't know man I mean, I'm reading like a lot of Mark Fisher right now, like kind of wrap my head around the postmodern stuff, and like I, yeah. it's it's more real than we give it credit. Like at all times, our very reality is so fucking like tied to this stuff, and we're yeah, in a really, weird space because with Biden yeah. as president, a lot of people are trying to go back into the fucking They're end of history. To go back, yeah, and we're like, I I can't, but we yeah. all feel 
crazy talking to each other now? Well, I mean, it's exactly why I think so many of us who were anti the Biden Harris ticket uh, were upset. And like all the people who are anti Trump who were like, oh, if you're upset, if you have anything negative to say about Biden and Harris, then you are pro Trump automatically. You remember those people? Yeah. <laughs> uh, They're still like you, that. I know. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I think the problem with those people are like the problem I think we had with them, the problem between us and them is that we kept saying to them or they kept saying this whole like return to normal idea. Right. Yeah. So when they were saying return to normal, they were saying return to these Obama years and even these Clinton years right? where they got to be like, oh, aren't our leaders so charismatic and sexy? And look, he's, one of them's got a little vice like smoking cigarettes or like fingering interns. And, uh, you know, they're, but they're like, cool. They've got hobbies and we all like them and they pass cool rules that we don't find out until a decade later we're really fucking everyone over <laughs> and like that's what they wanted to go back to and they didn't seem to understand that we were being like like yeah we understand that trump is bad but the return to thing i have a problem with also <laughs> it also was bad so it has been interesting because then like what it has done in terms of comedy which of course is the least important way in which politics affects the world but um is that the divide has continued after Trump, right? Because it also is kind of like you can't put the cat back in the bag if you were at the January 6th thing and then you <laughs> pick your side. And if you were fucking out like verbally and fucking annoyingly out there for Bernie, then you picked your side and like we can't pull it back now, right? And yeah. pretend they were just like a non-political blah, blah, blah. I, I'm not going to get booked by a lot of people permanently. Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, so on, right. and on the other side, they're not going to get booked by a lot of people too. Like, People made their choices. Yeah. And also, I would add that the people who didn't make their choices, you're also seen. You know, like the people who tried to ride the middle. Those and, are the people uh, that I am the most mad at from my yeah, camp. Totally. No, and you're seen. And even as I like understand why the capitalist, like the capitalist reasons why, you know, you have a family, you got to pay your bills, you got to fucking get booked. I fucking get it. Uh, still sucks. We see it. <laughs> you know, like I don't know <laughs> yeah. what to tell you. Um, but anyway. Um, so now everybody's already kind of like, you know, pick their side where basically there's like the people who are still mad at the establishment, you know, the same way they were at the previous establishment. And so they continue with that. And then there's the people who are like furiously trying to pretend that we are now everything's okay. And we have returned to the great Obama times or whatever. Right. Cause Hey, we have a lady, black lady, vice president. That's something. So <laughs> We have that. And then we have the third group who's desperately trying to pretend that nothing ever changed and everybody's still friends. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just like, keep grinding, keep doing shows. I'm going to talk about fucking Tinder. <laughs> I'm like, whatever. And like never address anything that's going on in the real world at all. Yeah. <laughs> they're fucking weird. So there is a weird thing happening right now that like, unfortunately, the pandemic is another factor that is keeping, uh, you know, there's less venues, there's less opportunities for comedy. I predicted this. I was talking to somebody about this uh, last night at the show, actually. But I want to say, why you mad listeners, if you've been listening long enough, you can vouch for me on this. That at the beginning of the pandemic, I predicted that reopening would be really bad for comedy. Because if a bunch of venues close, 
and a bunch of other venues are already like on their last legs financially and a bunch of people lose their jobs in terms of uh, working at venues or like being bookers or everything's half capacity. So instead of 30 shows a week at this venue, we now do 10. That all equals less spots for everyone, right? Yeah. Number one. It also equals uh, more bookers desperate to fill seats and therefore only trying to get the biggest name possible. So, or the opposite of the biggest name possible, which is like has a lot of followers, but it's not funny. <laughs> so they'll go to that way. So I just don't, you know, it's going to be a drought. It's going to be a drought for like a year and it has to be a DIY kind of situation where if you want to do comedy, you have to find your own spots and you have to run your own shows and, and do your own stuff because unless you can guarantee to fill a room that's going to do to a drink minimum each person, most venues like won't take a risk on you. Yeah. You know not I mean? to mention that like every one who owns any of these fucking clubs in Manhattan is so like viciously right wing that mm-hmm. if you are, if you have that's right. good you're politics right. at all, the only way to but get in there out. is yeah. to be quiet about them, which is bad politics. Yeah. So fuck you. Right. So like, yeah. I mean, I look at the lineup sometimes they get posted of like, who's the seller yeah. and stuff. I'm like, oh, good for that person. But also yeah. fuck that person. Cause like, yeah. that's how they did that, you know? And I don't, yeah. I have no, there's no part of me that's like, I'm going to try to get in the seller now. I, the only path is like, come to my show at the bowling alley and go see me with yeah. six and all this <laughs> other weird shit that's yeah. propped up around all this. Yeah. But I, I do think that that's going to have to be, or it is the marker of, I'm, I guess I'm calling it too soon because I didn't call it during the Trump years. And so it is rare that I would call it during the Biden years. But during the Biden years, I'm going to call it that the marker of how comedy shakes out is um, a whole half of comedy, like doubling down on the traditional paths to everything and pandering and going as non-political in general and un um just as like toothless as possible, milk toast as possible, you yeah. know? And then another half of comedy. Well, I should say there's a whole chunk in there too who will quit, right? And <laughs> be gone. But then the other part will be uh, the people who realize that they love doing it and they don't have to play the game of pandering to do it. And so they'll find ways. They'll do their own festivals. They'll do their own shows. They'll do podcasts. They'll put out albums. I have been predicting this or rather trying to manifest it because I really believe that this is the way things are headed for a long time. I believe that we are at a moment of great contradiction in the world of stand-up and comedy and stuff that could very well and probably will result in a mirror image of what happened with the birth of indie rock in music because there is now this 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 like bubble that you either you can't get in which is why kind of indie rock happened to begin with and also people might start to figure out that like take a look at uh what's going on with spotify sorry to bring this back up i know it's fucking everyone's tired of talking about it but like now it's good to talk about one thing that's really important to understand about like artists leaving spotify and stuff like that and and protesting and trying to raise awareness about how they don't pay anything is that the major record label artists the people took the traditional path are getting screwed worse than the indie rock people like albini was talking about how his like his band makes more money like he takes home money off of uh, spotify whereas fucking yeah. six guy doesn't and that's foresight like people back yeah. then had enough foresight to go 
what the majors do to you is exploitive. And like, I'm looking at this. I just told you, I'm not, I, I have no fucking drive to get into the fucking cellar because you could, they always, they always motivate you by dangling this like huge lottery ticket opportunity. Like you could really break and become somebody who's like a household name and make a lot of money yeah. and stuff. And then, fucking turn into a shithead probably but for most of the people that are even taking that route they're the foot soldiers who are being hyper exploited so like yeah we're in a moment where it's actually kind of like more the cell is easier to go hey hey why don't you do the diy thing why don't you come fucking hang out with us in the alt scene and stuff and we'll start our own shit because we have the internet and like there's kind of no reason for them to exist anymore so like that's me being optimistic about some kind of path break in here, but we'll see what happens. I mean, stand-up's also fucking stupid, so maybe everyone will quit. <laughs> I know, that's so funny. I mean, uh, obviously, all I ever do is take it very seriously and compare it to, like, the losing shit. <laughs> but uh, I do try to remind myself every so often that it's silly and that whatever. We're, uh, I'd like to do that acid thing where you, like, think about how your lifespan in the amount of time of, like, the existence of the Earth, for example, is, like... You're like a fly, you're <laughs> you know, like yeah. your lifespan doesn't count for shit. Uh, and I, for one, don't think that's sad. I think it's fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's nice. It's not scary. Uh, I love that we had like multiple topics and then we just go one hour. On yeah. One. How much time have we done? An hour. <laughs> 56 yeah. minutes. Yeah. Oh, shit. We have that whole fucking article that we're still super mad at. <laughs> yeah. I did realize it's in Eng- it's like in England. So I don't know if people over there are like more stupid or what's happening. <laughs> Stupider. I don't know. They definitely have a lot of weird ideas specific to their culture yeah, yeah. about gender and stuff like that. So Yeah, no. Well, you know what it is? It's um they uh it's kind of like okay, like London is like New York, right? Mm-hmm. So there's like metropolitan areas that are like, "Oh, we're so modern and cool and queer and shit." But then, like, the whole, like, the big, vast majority of our country is, like, racist and anti-trans. <laughs> yeah. And so, I don't know about this person that wrote this thing. I feel like I have to go read more. And, like, I also just hate that they identify as a leftist. And I'm like, I hate you. I hate you so much. Yeah. Ugh, you don't, whole... actually. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I just love it because it's also something we've talked about on the show before this idea of how like uh, most leftists um, are very keen on the idea of radicalizing public spaces and the public sphere of their lives, but they continue to embrace and reify ideas in their private lives that are not only rooted in toxic ideas like patriarchy and capitalism, but that actually work against those public sphere goals that you have. Yeah. Uh, so I hate this person in the article that they wrote, but I don't know. Do you, you want to try to tackle it in 10 minutes? Sure. I'll just run through it real quick. Um, run through it real quick. You start. Tell me, what did you want? So, I mean, for anybody, if you want to look it up, it's called, um, monogamy is cool, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hate you, Shell. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, this person is like, um, just a music writer or whatever, uh, I don't know who the fuck they are or why they were. Dude, wrote and this. can I tell you something? This I I don't read this Nova Novar Media Novara Media. Uh-huh. Uh, one of our listeners sent it to us, Kate. Thank you, Kate. This is something we would get mad at. Thank you, us <laughs> mad. Uh, but it's so funny because at the bottom it has like related articles, and the other related articles, Jake, are like 
totally these authors would be mad at this person <laughs> because look at this uh opinion there is no sexual liberation without bisexuals next one opinion it's time to abolish the family <laughs> next one feature ask justin i've never kissed anyone what do i do and this fucking asshole up here is talking about how monogamy is radical what the fuck yeah who let you onto this website <laughs> like, what the fuck? maybe they... uh, this is like an edgelord an anti-edgelord is what this person is maybe this is a the stunt you know to just raise yeah. money or something like to go back I to that it. i don't know so um oh fuck yeah they, they talk about the fordist thing a lot in this i was gonna make a joke mm-hmm. about that earlier i forgot what it was um so God, I mean, this person uses a lot of fancy like lit, like terminology from mm-hmm, if you mm-hmm. read philosophy, you know, marking out the different eras of Fordism and post-Fordism, which is a, so something you can use to then maybe <laughs> look at all the stuff we've been talking about regarding the end of history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, they don't really they don't really make a good they make a ugh, okay. Let me. St- I wrote this on Twitter. I'll just go through the three points that I okay, think encapsulate what I also have bullet here. points. <laughs> okay. The first thing I that, have a document open. <laughs> the first thing that they say, say is that, you know, if you're a leftist, you might have noticed that there are a lot of leftists on dating apps that are uh, using terms like ethical non-monogamy and, uh, not, you know, polyamory and stuff like that. And, and isn't it crazy that they frame it as a negative thing immediately off the top? This is so infuriating to me because like it's a scam. People, people are allowed to. You're not entitled to those people's companies. So like totally, the, or to telling them how they should identify right. or define themselves. Because I think what people complain about when they complain about this is that the yeah. dating pool has suddenly become smaller if they don't want to do this, which is mm-hmm. like fine. But the thing is, the dating pool didn't actually change because you didn't want to be with these people to begin with. So like think to begin back with. when. <laughs> Gay people were suddenly allowed to openly identify as gay in the same way. It doesn't mean you lost men, right? Because you, you were fucked. Yeah, you, you weren't gonna fuck them anyway. Fuck you, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly. Or if they did, it would have been a nightmare where they're like yeah, hiding in a relationship with you, and yeah. like that would have been horrible too. It would have also wasted uh-huh. a bunch of your own fucking time, like waiting well, through these people. Yes, <laughs> totally, dude. No, let me. I'm only interrupting you to agree with you yeah, in sure, this sure. point that like the whole article gave me this vibe of this person. Um, basically seems to be saying that it is bad that too many people can identify as poly or non-monogamous while not having the the pure intentions of wanting to deconstruct capitalist and patriarchal relationship structures and then they might trick you right and they don't want to get tricked and it's like hey dummy you know that people have been pretending to be monogamous and pretending to want to marry you to fuck you for literally hundreds of years right right (laughs) (laughs) they also trick you idiot (laughs) the, the fact that there's some people out there tricking you by using fancy ethical non-monogamy language or whatever does not discount the fact that it has merits for other people and that even if it fucking didn't, in your opinion, it's people's option. They get to choose it. Right. People, well, she kind of says that in this in the, yeah. this breakdown of like the family structure thing is that, yeah, no, there's always been this thing where guys fucking cheat or have, you know, way, way back paramours and stuff like that. Yeah. And like, so the thing about uh, people... You get called cringe for being, uh, you know, 
openly polyamorous or like asexual or anything like that but it's it's fucked up that you get called cringe for that because most people are these things and are not open about it is what's happening it's not that people are Mm -hmm. choosing to live this way it's that they're choosing to actively live this way instead of just like being in a relationship that they hate and then cheating or like not having sex all the time or having it when they don't want to and all this stuff it's fucking bullshit right but so the other thing that she does right here at the beginning of the article is she says uh Rejecting monogamy, they claim, must be an affront to that system. If it's true that reorganizing our private relations can disrupt the injustice of the social and economic order, comma, then all of us progressives should be considering ethical non-monogamy as a form of praxis, right? So right here, she does something that's really annoying to me, which is that she sets up an argument that no one is making. No No one's thinking that. No no one's telling you you have to be anything. Right. But this is the thing with these fucking people is they're always psychologically like projecting a straw man of a person that is trying to bully them into being a thing that they don't clearly don't want to do and no one is fucking actually doing and the entire mm-hmm. argument is then made against that person who I'm sorry doesn't fucking exist like no yeah. one ever says this it's not a fucking thing you know what it is though honestly Jake I think this is gonna get me some people mad at me <laughs> but I honestly think based on conversations that I've had before with quote leftist women who feel similar to this author is that they personally feel guilty or shamed for not being able to let go of these traditional expectations of romantic relationships and they get defensive because they don't want to feel not modern enough or not progressive enough and they start to push back as though it's like something that is being forced on them when it's literally like, I don't know, like, like the way that I imagine, like when women could start wearing pants, not all women wore pants. Right. Yeah. And there were some women who were like, Oh, that's so gross that you're wearing pants while they're wearing a skirt. But it's like secretly because you're scared and not brave enough to wear pants (laughs) and you're really mad (laughs) that I'm wearing pants. How does it affect you? Wear your fucking dress. (laughs) I'm going to wear pants. (laughs) Right. Yeah. No one is stopping you from going and doing all of this stuff that you clearly are more comfortable with. And you know, it's, it's fucking fine. Um, yeah, dude. Um, there was, uh, let me jump in here and tell you. So there was something also that they said that was like, uh, um, you know, they start comparing the idea of being poly um, as like being uh, someone who sees relationships and people as commodities, right? Like an extension of capitalism. And they specifically say that like, because we stop seeing people as like, you have to fit everything we want and we start to appreciate them. Like this one, because we have great sex and this one, because we have great conversation and this one, because of whatever this author frames this as uh, capitalist consumption, okay? So they say, uh, in this bargain hunt, any product found to be defective can be easily exchanged for a better one. Right. Jake, 50% of marriages also exchange you for a better one. You just waste your entire life in the process. And your finances, (laughs) and you have kids who get sad about it in the process. The thing is- You fucking idiots. (laughs) I had a friend who told me that they didn't like yeah. online dating because uh, they mm-hmm. felt like it uh, felt like it it showed them it made them feel like they were commodifying people like they right. were shopping yeah. for people. This and person alludes to that too. What mm-hmm. I said to them was, if you feel like that, 
it's not the app that's making you feel like that. It's just the app it's showing you how yeah. you feel about people because yeah. this is the exact same thing as if all these people were like in a fucking room, like maybe a bar, for example, the way this used to yes. work. And back then you're telling me. you're scanning me, the room and you're being <laughs> like, uh, this is this is one I'd fuck. Let me go talk to him. Yeah. And that's the whole. That's I mean, that that happens. Like people do commodify yeah. their lovers in that way. But that's a byproduct yeah. of, you know. Honestly, monogamy because monogamy is very commodified. It's a you cre yes. great ownership oh over God. your other fucking person, your partner or whatever. Um, the thing that really bothers me is the way that she ends this is that she, because oh, by having set ending. up this straw man, she says, yeah. she starts talking about how Engels was a freak and he was a non monogamist and stuff. And mm -hmm. he, you know, wrote this book about it that I've talked about on the show before and stuff. And, and he, in his personal life, lived a certain way. And he, but he, but he said at one point that he didn't know how the future of social relations like this in the personal and family world would exist because they would be related to the material and we don't know what the future of our material world is either. And yeah. she, I think she presented that as what was supposed to be like a gotcha point. Like, hey, this guy you like, Engels, said I he know. doesn't know how this is supposed to play out either. And it's like, yeah, that's why I agree with him. You're not arguing with me. You're arguing with the person three paragraphs ago that you invented who disagrees with you about that because no one is arguing for like no one's Absolutely. arguing for this like like it's a system of government like they're arguing for communism or something like that they're just saying you get to you should be allowed to identify try something different and, yeah. and well, not even try something different just actively think about the thing that we're all already doing or whatever mm -hmm. and it does relate to the material base and i don't know if i'll yeah. be like this for my whole life or if yeah. the world will be like this forever or whatever i'm just trying to be honest about who i am or whatever fucking totally. bullshit well what's funny is that with that ending they're just so stupid i mean i just honestly think this is such a stupid fucking take and i imagine this person is probably 24 i don't know but like uh what they don't seem to understand is that what Engels was speaking on when he says that uh, he admits he has no idea and he says that will be answered when a new generation has grown up. Hey, dumbass, he's talking about us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so therefore you are actually like you are not on Engels side by being like, let's reify and reaffirm marriage and let's like tweak it so that it's cool and includes queer people. <laughs> and like, ugh. What are you talking about? That is not radical in any way. You are, if anything, you're trying to sort of bring about the material conditions that would make monogamy reasonable. And it ultimately is not. Let me tell you something. So like, I wish I had done real research, but I just did like cursory research to get some fucking facts in here uh, because of stuff that I know to be true already. All right. But like, uh, there are case studies and everything that will show you that like poly people communicate with their partners more. So like, this is all in reference to the fact that the author of this framed this. Uh, oh, right. So remember the austerity part? <laughs> Do you mm -hmm. remember that part? Hold on. Let me read it. Cause it's just like fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, come on. Command F austere. Here we go. Okay. So, Oh, actually I'm going to read this whole paragraph. Far from being anti-capitalist, Polyamory is rooted in the same relentless pursuit of pleasure that reduces us to, to consumers in every facet of life. In comparison, monogamy, with its, with its emphasis on the boring work of compromise and coalition, starts to look like the more radical option. Loser. It might not have the sexy, slippery flexibility of the polycule, but the stolid monogamous unit has its own austere appeal. 
It signifies a commitment, not just to the things you like about someone, but the things you don't like, all their annoying habits and the unfortunate traits, their needs and liabilities. When you love, uh, yeah, so that's where that's that. And what's crazy is, uh, okay, <laughs> like where to start? That whole entire fucking thing is insane. But the first thing is the assumption that when you are monogamous, you love a person despite or because of their flaws. When you love multiple people, you also love them despite or because of their flaws. Do you think that we are dating perfect people? No, you are the ones that are trying to find this one person that checks off all your boxes and is perfect in your little fantasy. Yeah. There's also a point where they refer to polyamorous people as a niche. This is what what did they say? Uh, as a niche market. Hold on. Oh, yeah. Uh, aren't aren't we actually more like a niche market consumer, right? Which is crazy to me because how is someone who says I am open to connecting with all kinds of different people in different ways and I am not going to predetermine the arrangement of this interaction more of a niche market consumer than someone who's like, well, you must love God and dogs and my family and you have to be my race and you have to be between 30 and 40 and at least six feet tall and at least have $75,000 a year and going to make more soon. And also you have to want every single thing that I want in life and the right. same number of children and every single thing. Who's the niche fucking consumer here, dumbass? Yeah. What are you fucking talking about? You're the one that wants a Ken doll made specifically for you that doesn't have any wants or desires or needs that are outside of your realm of understanding. Yeah. And it's like, you're not going to get that. You're going to get a person pretending to be that because they're pretending to be that that because they're terrified of being alone. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. The thing that I think that she does that's clever, but is Mm -hmm. ultimately for all these reasons we've outlined is a bullshit point. Is yeah. um, I mean, I can tell she's read some of the same shit as me, and uh, mm-hmm. she goes into this uh, postmodernism versus neoliberalism sort of thing by talking about yeah. Fordism and post-Fordism. So, like, Fordism being this era when, like, you would work for Henry Ford and you would have a job at the same place for your whole life if you were the guy who was the head of the household totally. or whatever, and it's you horrible. would be rooted in one space and then sort of have like you know disciplinarian shit happening through your boss and your workplace um but the 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 side product is i guess you have this like steady reality and like family and stuff like that post fordism being this thing where you know they they've dissolved the hierarchical disciplinarian of your boss now we have single parent homes oh no and they've replaced it with like the panopticon world where yeah. like what sucks about neoliberalism is that we're all free floating atoms and like you don't have one job for your whole life you're constantly unemployed between having to reskill and stuff and it sucks and so i think they're making a comparison between that and this idea of like well what if i was free floating in my dating life or whatever but the thing is i think it's actually much stupider to be like what if i had the misery of having this atomized floating rudderless existence but also imposed on myself the rigid discipline of the other world which was like that you're taking the worst parts of two different things and putting them together yeah. you know um you're it sucks we can't escape neoliberalism in the, our dating practices but we can like move past a thing that was worse that came before it because we're not trying to move back to the fucking Clinton era or the, you know, Reagan era or whatever, both sides of our stupid, you know, coin that we 
labor under harken back to. We're trying to move to the fucking future, and all these the people are terrified one. of the yeah. fucking future. We are the yeah. only people that are talking about the future, and we have yeah. power over like this part of our lives. It's not without reach. It doesn't require a union. It's exactly just who you choose to hang out with <laughs> for like enjoyment. You know. Yeah, <sighs> man. Then they want to bemoan that they can't get a house, and it's like, but you know that you only want a house because you already assume that you want children and all this, all this like stuff. That do you really want it? I don't know. I don't know that you do. Some people do for sure, but I don't know. I don't want to get away from like a stupid fact thing that I wanted to say, which was like, um, uh, there's a recent study that shows that like uh, most cases of HIV in the United States, I think in North America now come from straight cis men who are in monogamous relationships quote are in monogamous relationships right, <laughs> right? because you know not only do you most or 50 percent of marriages in north america end up in marriage but also within the ones that don't oh in divorce sorry <laughs> Uh, from the ones that don't end up in divorce um, a lot of them practice non-consensual non-monogamy right which is fancy term for cheating right <laughs> right yeah uh so what happens is that actually most of the cases of hiv are coming from straight men and straight couples and it's not only because they have non-consensual non-monogamy that is not being revealed it's also because once you are practicing non-consensual non-monogamy uh and because it's like covered up with shame and like you have to hide it it's less likely that you use protection it is less likely that you get tested regularly. So there are studies that show that polyamorous and queer people get tested more regularly for STDs. They have more open communication with their partners about what their boundaries are, about the number of partners, about safety precautions that need to be taken, about results of tests, all of that stuff that like married people who are cheating on each other are not talking about. You know what I mean? And so this idea of like monogamy is some like austere ideal of like, dude, at one point the author puts it as like uh, monogamy is admirable because in a way it's like when you get married, you're taking yourself off the market. Let me tell you something. I am not on the market. Right. <laughs> I am not for sale. I am not looking to be married or to be given a diamond or to be impregnated. There is in no way that you can compare me to a cow at market. Okay. And yet I think that the women, the people who are trying out here to get married and get pregnant, you're acting like cows at market. Yeah. So you, you this, calls come from inside the house. You are thinking of yeah, yourself dude. as a commodity. Yeah. And you are the one who, yeah, exactly. Who are seeing yourself and others as commodities. If you are the one going like declaring that, marriage is radical because you're taking yourself off the market i have never been on the market i don't know how to explain that to you other than i've been on the apps i'm out here fucking i am not on the market i am not up for capitalist valuing or sale <laughs> there is no dollar figure that a man can offer me or have that will impact me <laughs> like it whereas that is not the same like women people who are looking for marriage in a and, and like a parent to their children and all shit, you do have a dollar figure in your head that makes it this person a potential partner. So who's the one commodifying their lovers? Yeah. 
I also want to say, I can't remember the name of like the book or the movie or whatever, but somebody recommended mm-hmm. something to me a while back. I think while we were talking about um, angles and fucking uh, family structure and uh, what's that goddamn TV show with the, the handmaiden's tale? Handmaid's tale. Yeah. Um, uh, so there's like studies and stuff about the effects on the lives of women and queer people in the Soviet bloc during mm-hmm. like so- socialism to whatever degree you want to say it was actually happening that uh, are th- much better because you're not fucking like, you know, if you're a woman, you don't have to rely on some guy to live with him like in his house and stuff like that. All the personal freedoms you have from decommodifying yourself in this way actually improve your ability to exist in the material world and give you actual material freedom. So that is, that is why you could make an argument that rejecting the system of, uh, commodifying other people via monogamous dating is radical in a way that monogamy fucking isn't man. Isn't. Yeah. And even like, um, I would say to you, the way that the world is not made for single people in the sense of like, I don't get to split my rent and my utility bills with anyone. And by the sheer fact that I like chose not to want to get married and have children, I get taxed more, <laughs> you know, like I, society punishes me financially for being single. Even like in New York city, a one bedroom apartment is more unaffordable than a two bedroom apartment. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how to explain that. Like it's, uh it, it's easier to get a two bed like there aren't even one bedroom so you could get a one bedroom apartment probably for two thousand dollars in new york when a two you could get a two bedroom for 2200 right. <laughs> you get me so it's like i could just like stretch myself to just have more space or i could have a partner that i like split this rent with. you yeah. know it's it fucking sucks point being that like uh society already tells you in so many ways it's bad that you want to be single and they make it harder for you. And it is radical to not fold into the way that society is like, we'll give you a tax break. If you have babies, we'll give you a better rent. If you have a partner and you're married, (laughs) we'll pay more attention to you. If you're a member of a fucking PTA or whatever the fuck, uh, my lover actually like made a great joke because, you know, when we were traveling, this funny thing happened that he had like a canceled flight and it was like the airline fucked him and tried to make him go to another city in the Dominican Republic to fly back home to New York, like a city that was three hours away. And when we get to the airport, he like speaks to the manager and he had to be like, no, because I'm here with my family. <laughs> and like So then he like <laughs> threw this whole thing. And then like later when we talk, he's like, yeah, man, because if you tell them that you're alone and you're just like a single guy, they don't give a fuck about you. <laughs> but like, if you mention that you have like a family and that people are waiting for you, then it's like, oh, my God, you're part of the fabric of society. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like so shitty because not only are solo and single people also part of the fucking fabric of society because we pay taxes and we have jobs and we're participating in every part of everything. We exist. So often solo and single people are honestly, like, just like I said about, you know, being more communicative and getting tested more often and just being, like, more conscientious about how they exist in the world, we are also very concerned with 
the environment with education programs for young kids. Like we are actually like believing in the idea that it takes a it takes a village, right? And we care. I don't know. I don't know how else to exp- express it other than like people who have children are scientifically demonstrably more selfish people who don't ever really think outside of their immediate family unit. You they know what live I mean? in like the they, suburbs like little weird yeah, Victorian exactly. tyrants. Like they're living out the whole Jeffersonian, I have a farm yeah. and I'm a head of a thing. Whereas dream. I would say you and I, we do walk around thinking about this houseless person like that we saw in the street and this kid that we read about that doesn't have fucking the right to school and like yeah. how that shouldn't be like that and the train should fucking be available to everyone and like... I don't know. I don't. I think that um, in a lot of ways, people like having children and getting married and going after after traditional paths is this like avenue for putting your head in the sand and being like, I'm just focused on my little fucking. I gotta take care of my people. I'm doing the right thing. I'm being part of the fabric of society. When really you're not. You're just creating more little workers for capitalism. But you have no concern for your neighbors or your community or your society or people who are not like you in any way that still fucking are people and deserve help and attention. Yeah, it's very much looking out for number one, that shit over there. Which is why, like, I don't know. I hate to think about it this way, but sometimes I'm just like, man, wherever people are meant to live in cities, like, yeah, that should be the way that we do this because all Mm -hmm. of this horrible, evil, like regressive Trump stuff comes from the fucking suburbs, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, I've always said it, you know, like, uh, people make jokes about New York, uh, you know, about like, you see homeless people and, uh, quote, crazy people in the train and whatever, but like, what I loved about it from the moment I came here, just like on a vacation, was that there is no opportunity in New York City. Other, I guess if you're rich and you only live on the Upper East Side or whatever, but like for the rest of us, there is no opportunity for you to pretend that your, your view of the world is the only view of the world. Because everywhere you go, you do run into people that are going through shit that you're not going through. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you can't pretend that they're not houseless people. You can't pretend that there aren't mentally ill people out there in the world not being taken care of. You can't pretend that there aren't poor people who ha- come every morning at 6 a.m. to get cans to subsist and pay their rent. You can't pretend that there aren't people who are having, like, drug problems and fucking falling apart on the train because there's no system that helps them you also can't do the calculus of like replacing that part of your mind with like well but my children come first though i do take care of a thing i take care of my children or whatever exactly yeah and it's so weird because then you like move to the suburb and you're like well i have clean sidewalks and there's no drug addicts here and there's nobody showing their dick and there's no mentally ill people so i'm doing the right thing for my kid but then it's like you just have siloed yourself into a not realistic, not part of the rest of the world kind of life. It kind of presumes that like, what kind of kid are you making in that world? Right. Yeah. And it presumes like that. That's even, that's a system that would make sense. Like, Oh, well I take care of my kid. 
if somebody else out there in society has problems, their parent should take care of them. And you it's take like, care of them. Yeah. Well, but what about people that don't have fucking families and aren't or don't have family structures that can like it just doesn't fucking work like that. Jake, you know what I used to say when I was like really young and people would ask me about like why I didn't want to have kids, right? Because I would hear from people like, oh, but you would be a great mom. Or like um, one time this like uh, Caribbean dude that I was on a date with, uh, he got really upset when I told him that I didn't want to have kids. And he said to me that uh, I was wrong for not wanting to have kids because I was the highest branch on my family tree. I had the most education and I have the most possibility for giving a kid a better life. So it is my responsibility to be a parent. Okay. That's the way that he framed it. And I just honestly, I'm like, I've said to people, I'm like, you do understand that even if you are the best parent, like you are perfect, you are perfect and you have every resource and you have the money and you have the network and a family and a perfect home with a backyard and a clean neighborhood and all the things you think are necessary to raise a kid. You do understand that they will go to school with kids who do not have those things. Yeah. Right. And that that those kids may be mentally ill. They may be hurt. They may just be poor. Either way, whatever it is, you will have to explain to your kid. Other people don't get food. Other people don't get medicine. Other people don't get a home. You get some because a mommy happens to have a good job. Right. Yeah. I didn't think that was a uh, like that is not a world I want to raise a kid in. I don't want to explain to my kid, you get to have stuff and other kids don't. Yeah. That's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. And that's what I mean when I say that, like, uh, when I get shitty, oh, I felt bad this week because I was, like, making fun of IVF and egg freezing online. Yeah. And there was somebody who I think listens to the show who got upset with me and, like, I don't mean to imply that it's not a difficult process to go through, whether it's IVF or egg freezing or surrogacy. Mm. And I don't mean to imply that it's not a very painful experience to want a child and not be able to have one. Okay. But to be very crude, there are a lot of things that people want in life and they don't get. And period, that's the way it is. There's people who don't have legs and don't get to run in the marathon they always wanted to run in. That's just how life is, right? And this idea that you, that like having children is like a fucking human right that everybody should get no matter what, I do think is fallacious, especially when it comes to like surrogacy, you know, surrogacy. I mean, maybe this is for a whole other episode, but surrogacy is something that is like, it takes advantage of people who are poor and who are in difficult uh, survival situations. And it takes over like at least two years of their life. It wrecks their body. It psychologically wrecks them in a lot of cases. All for less than I owe my fucking student loans, Jake. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So anybody who thinks that they deserve, that they have the right to have a child to the point of this, these other people that I'm using as farm eggs, you know, like, they don't matter and their existence doesn't matter. Yeah, like You're matrix. one step above, huh? They're like the matrix batteries. Yeah, dude. You're one step above a fucking slave owner. Honestly, I'm not, I'm not down with it. I don't think it's okay. And I think that it all comes from this idea of like, 
believing that uh, having children is like an innate right. When actually, if you can't physically have children, then you can't physically have children. <laughs> I don't know what to fucking tell you. Is that really mean? I'm probably going to get canceled for this. <laughs> well, seeing as we're an hour and a half into this episode, yeah, cut I'm it off there. But I'll come that back to one because I don't know if I'm 100% with you on that. But uh, we can talk about it another time. Uh, I want to throw out as an ending to this or my contribution to this point um if you are a leftist and you are interested in reading theory about this sort of thing angles is good but you should also read alexandra Kollontai, who wrote a lot about this stuff and was in like the october revolution on on the central committee committee in the soviet union and stuff like that and i don't agree with everything she said but she uh but she was She's great, <laughs> and she was a woman who was writing this stuff from within the fucking beginning of the Soviet Union, while the men around her were like basically acting like the people that were making fun of, who were just like, yeah. "Oh, communism's gonna happen, but we're still gonna be totally. like married." Trad fucking yeah, and our <laughs> wife is gonna cook all our meals. No, totally, and that is good theory to read. But I, I guess I just like really would want to make my closing point to be like covering everything we've talked about today is. Uh, we do need to let go of the past a little bit. And that includes like going back to theory because going back to theory is not about learning it and parroting it and trying to live it. it you need to critically take, in, take it in as something that was written by somebody who lived a hundred years ago and is not living your life today. I know. I'm right? just trying to pill the kids. No, I love it. And they should pill, they should get pilled. But like, to my point of when I was making fun of this like egg freezing IVF surrogacy shit. Uh, the point is actually not to shame people who are engaging in those activities. Currently, you have made your choice. You're grown as adults who have decided that you want to have a child no matter what period you have the money. You can do the thing. Do the thing. That's not my problem. I am not trying to shame you. I really don't care what you do. But I do think that it is important to put the public narrative out there for future generations for your fucking kids to understand that the whole idea embedded in you from the time that you're one fucking year old that you are put on earth to breed is the thing that leads you to believe that you are a failure if you don't breed that your life will not be complete if you don't breed that therefore you need to financially ruin yourself or painfully put yourself through some horrible shit for two years or like ha like through a uh, process of getting your eggs extract all this shit that is just like the only reason people choose to do this is because they've internalized the idea that they must have this or they will not be happy and here's the thing i acknowledge that there are people who must have this or you will not be happy but there is a bunch of us who are happy without doing that and I, for one, would like to offer your kids that option. Yeah. That's it. Fair enough. I agree. Um, listen, we should wrap up if we're going to try to do a bonus episode. Do it. Plug some shit. What are you going to plug? Um, let's see. I have a show online on RushTix.com on the 24th of this month, February 2022. It's next week or something. It's in like a week. It's in eight days, I think. Um E6 tour. Uh, the, the Comet Ping wait. Pong pizza dates are selling out. So if you're in <laughs> DC, get a ticket because for some reason. New York dates haven't sold out. Yeah, I got to get one. I don't think so. Um, okay. Yeah, that stuff is all up on. I did. I, I'm, you know what? I'm doing so well right now. I 
put my dates on my website, which is a thing I never fucking do. <laughs> so you can check that shit out on my website, feraljokes.com. I'm also on 51st Jokes at the Bell House this Friday, the 18th, um, and some other stuff. Um, and uh, Meet Space will be back. I think it's a monthly, so sometime mid March. <laughs> for it. Producer Jake, he thinks it's a month. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're still figuring out what it I is. Will, I will also be at 51st Jokes, but I will not be doing a joke. I'll be getting drunk in the back. It'll be great. <laughs> uh, no plugs for me. Oh, I did my plugs at the top. But yeah, join our Patreon, especially if you want to join our Discord. Get in on the chats and the recommendations. I really don't want to hear it through your DMs. I'm sorry. Do not DM us. I've said this before. <laughs> yeah. Uh, love you. Bye. Love you guys. Bye. <laughs> Ha <laughs>